Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined by Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller today, as well as a very special guest. Andre Waugh, former Senators tough guy, joins us to tell some phenomenal stories and give some background dirt on his former Ottawa teammates. That and Eugene Melnick in the good books. We'll get to all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, April 4th, and yes, I had to look that up because every day bleeds into the next, but we are fired up for this episode of the Locked On Senators podcast because Andre Waugh, we just finished recording with him. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as we did. Um, Brandon, start with you here. That was fun. What a blast. And Ross, we started uh, this morning off uh, planning our show based on we were going to do a list of the top five toughest uh, guys in Ottawa Senators history. And Andre Waugh, his name came up, and we just happened to uh, be able to connect with him on Twitter. Luckily, he uh, responded quickly, and we got him on uh, for the interview in a couple hours. And I I don't want to ruin it. We'll talk about it after the interview, uh, some of our favorite moments from the interview. But what a a candid guy, and uh, he had a lot of good stories, that's for sure. Yeah, so we're going to save our top five toughest Ottawa Senators for the next episode, so you guys can think about that, or head to our Twitter, at Send Central, and you can have your say. We tweeted out asking for you guys, our listeners, to give your list. And yes, Andre Waugh appeared on a few, and I saw he tweeted this morning. So I, I asked him to follow so we could DM him, and next thing you know, bada boom, bada bing, we're getting unbelievable stories from the Iron League, and then some, like Pilsy said, though, we won't ruin that. Let's get into some news, and... Four Ottawa Senators tested positive, plus one staff member. It sounds like they're all on the road to recovery, if not already there. But Eugene Melnick announced that the Ottawa Senators will make available the CTC, the parking lots there, and the Sensplex for COVID emergency care, even field hospitals. So, Parley, that's a nice move from the Sens owner. Absolutely. it's We're starting to see a lot of professionals uh, in the sports world Guys that um, have some money to dispose of and uh, some definitely, uh, like you said, their infrastructure that will go a long way into helping out this whole thing. Uh, this is something that's affected everybody. So if you can step up, and these are people in a position where they definitely can step up and help. And uh, yeah, this one, this one's definitely uh, a needed thing. And it, it's nice to see the organization step up. Yeah, and uh, just in case you guys are wondering, uh, Eugene has been putting his money where his uh, mouth is. Uh, We did get our paycheck today, Ross, uh, both employees of the Belleville Senators. So just in case you wanted to keep tabs on that, that is happening and has gone through. So way to go, uh, Eugene. Definitely trying to do what what he can to help out his employees and help uh, further the cause in uh, stopping this uh, terrible COVID-19 so that uh, we can all get healthy and please, for the love of God, get some hockey back. Yeah, we've been harsh on him in the past, so it's only fair that we do give stick taps and acknowledge when he is on the right side of history. And yeah, we, like we said, not only 
helping out the the little guys who are working the game days and the promos and and really helping run the the ship on a day-to-day basis but also extending open arms to the community to use um i mean the sense box is a huge facility like there, there's definitely um multiple ways where they can help I'm, I'm not a doctor i don't pretend to be one so i'm not going to sit here and tell you what exactly they're, they're best suited for but just the opportunity for um for city officials to take over this private real estate and and be able to help i mean it's only a good thing as we move on here before we get to andre wall i want to touch on johnny tyconic the outgoing defenseman we've all come to know and love with some of the content he's done through development camps in the past but looks like he will be heading for greener pastures i uh, pardon the pun i know north dakota's got the green unis i'm looking at right now but Johnny Tyconic did not get a lot of ice time this year. Parley, do you think it's a good move here? He's entered the transfer portal. Yeah, it was a little bit of an interesting headline to read. Uh, you kind of threw the article there from the, I believe, Grand, uh, I don't know, the Herald. I Brad, Brad Elliott Sloshman from, yeah, the Nor- Grand Folks Herald. And we there retweeted it, it yeah. at Send Central if you want to see the whole article. Yeah, good article. Uh, I thought he broke down the situation well because it was a little bit of a head scratcher for me coming off of what seemed like well, what was a historic run for North Dakota this year, had a lot of success there. Uh, it, it was a little bit interesting, maybe worrisome for a Senators fan thinking a guy wants out, but uh, uh, it was a great article. He kind of, the writer there kind of broke down how much Johnny Tyconic, it was an amicable split. We'll say that the coaching staff is helping him out. So if you're curious what the rules are in the NCAA there, it does say in the article that the coaching staff has signed the papers to release him. So it doesn't look like he will have to take a year off. Whereas if he were to leave his school and not get those papers signed, he would have to take a year off and then resume play in what would be, I believe his senior season. So this year he'll get to play his junior year as well. So that's exciting stuff for a guy like Johnny Tyconic to maybe get a fresh start. Uh, Yeah. You said greener pastures. I think it's more playing time than anything. It was a very good uh, defensive core last year. Uh, a guy like Jacob Bernard Docker playing ahead of him. There's uh, guys that were his elder for sure in the program that may be returning as well. So it, it's it's a, it's an interesting move, but uh, I think it'll work out in the end for a guy like him to see a little more playing time. Yeah, and I mean it's tough. Uh, it's tough when you see that, but I think uh, like you said, it was more of a mutual agreement. It just he wasn't fitting in just because of the talent uh, you had in JBD and stuff like that. It's too bad because the Senators obviously have a history with UND and UND is known for being a great place for pumping out uh, good talented defensemen and developing them. But it'll be interesting to see where Tyconic uh, lands. And now he's not going to be with his uh, pal JBD. They had a lot of chemistry uh, when they were drafted, they kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge that uh, they knew each other really well and could possibly play together. But that didn't happen as much as Tyconic would hope. So we'll see where he ends up. And it can only be a good move for Tyconic, I think, because he can definitely be a top four uh, for one of these colleges coming up uh, in the coming seasons. The road to the NHL is often winding and full of stops. And we get into all that and more with Andre Waugh. So without further ado, here is former Senators agitator, Andre Waugh. We now welcome on a very special guest. This former agitator played 515 NHL games, including 200 with your Ottawa Senators, if you include the seven playoff games. Not quite as impressive as the Stanley Cup. He won with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2004. Please welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast, Andre Waugh. Andre, how are you doing? 
Hey, very good, very good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, we're doing what we can, man. We, uh, we don't have kids, though, so for you, it's probably a little bit tougher here being locked in uh, inside these days. Oh, for sure. They, they, they want to see their friends every day, you know. They just want to go and do stuff, uh, activities, yeah, normal stuff that kids do, and we can't. So we're, we're holding on, though, you know. We're, we're trying to go outside, whatever, and uh, play some uh, Xbox, whatever we can to, to just keep ourselves busy, but we're hanging in there. So Andre, before uh, all this crazy stuff happened and we've all been locked down and uh, before you were just taking care of your kids, making sure they uh, stayed entertained and didn't ruin your house, uh, what were you doing professionally uh, to uh, use up your time? And uh, I'm sure you're still involved with the game of hockey, right? Yeah, uh, I work with RDS, which is like TSN uh, in, in Ontario there. So uh, I have a show where I go on the road uh, it, I would say it's similar to Cabby, you know, Cabby on TSN for those yep. of you. So I go and I go see the French guys established around the NHL and I try to get them out of their comfort zone, just trying to do uh, fun stuff with them, you know, in general. Um, so uh, I do also athletes, you know, uh, and stuff like that, but mostly NHL players. And I'm in studio on the show uh, here twice a week also. So uh, that's the work I do, and I still play a couple alumni games where I, I go a little bit uh, up in the Maritimes. Uh, I, I actually had one in Ottawa, uh, like I was supposed to go last week, I think, you know, but it's, everything got canceled, obviously. But, uh, yeah, just that, playing my beer league here also, and, uh, you know, try to stay involved. Watch I, I watch hockey quite a bit also, you know. So, yeah, that keeps me busy, I guess. So you mentioned you got the French connection there. That's pretty cool. You're going around trying to get guys out of the comfort zone, but you've had the French connection your, your whole career, really. You started out in the QMJHL, and then you were drafted to the Boston Bruins. So around that time, the way hockey was being played, especially for the big, bad Bruins, did that kind of cement the idea in your head that, hey, I'm going to be a fighter when I get to the next level, if I'm able to make it there? Yeah, well, exactly. I When I, I got drafted in the Q in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, I was tall, skinnier, but I grew up with two older brothers. So, <laughs> And I, I remember one guy told me once uh, that I knew that was already in the Q. He's like, you know, obviously, Andre, you're tall. Uh, guys are going to try to fight you, intimidate you, you know. So if you back up or just turtle do whatever you're probably done you know just the advice i got for you so it stuck in my mind i think the first camp first guy that came cross-checked me i punched him in the face and then i dropped the mitts and just went at it it was a little uh, everywhere i gotta tell you you know i never really fought on skates so i was just throwing big bombs and going on the knee going back up and and then from then i just started getting in, into scraps one after the other just not backing up to anybody you know and uh um, i got drafted by the bruins which they're known to be uh, exactly like you mentioned the big bad bruins they're known to be physical and then that type of hockey so uh once i got drafted i knew that uh that was going to be the role if i wanted to make it uh, that one of uh, the scouts also told me that you know, they drafted me because they, they like that physicality that I brought. So that's how I was going to make it. So I told myself, you know, um, I, I'm just going to go and keep pushing in that way. You know, it's not 
it's not the most uh, exciting job. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Fans are great, Dad, but it's pretty uh, nerve-wracking. You know, you don't sleep much and fight all those big guys uh, night after night. It's not always easy, but... You know, I, I wanted to play. I had a dream to play in the NHL, and I said, you know, the, this is how I'm going to do it. And uh, I, I don't regret because I had a pretty good uh, career. So you definitely uh, cemented your role as a tough guy, like you were saying. And um, so you got to spend some time with the Boston Bruins organization. But before you went to Ottawa, uh, I was looking at your Hockey DB page, and you spent the season in the IHL with the Fort Wayne Comets. And Iron I, I can see you laughing already. I think you know what I'm going to ask. But you racked up 395 penalty minutes in 65 games. Yeah. How did you do that? How did how it easy, you Andre, in, Or was geez. it just a whole lot of 10 minutes? <laughs> well, I, I, I racked up a lot of pims, you know, over my career. But that year, um, it was kind of re, uh, of a rebound year for me because after uh, my three years stint coming out of junior with the Bruins, it kind of finished not the way I wanted to. So the Bruins released me. So I was kind of a, a free agent, but I was 23 years old. So I was like, you know, this is it. Uh, I got I to, gotta, you know, make a statement, make sure, you know, team sees me. And uh, I went to Fort Wayne because they were the team that really wanted me. So I, I wanted to go to a team. I didn't have anything else except teams in the minors, AHL and IHL. And for those wondering, IHL was kind of like the American Hockey League, but uh, there were more teams, independent teams. So guys that were done pretty much uh, um, playing in the NHL or with their career, you know, pretty much just uh, didn't have any team where to go. They had a couple farm teams, but mostly guys that, that you know, either uh, didn't have any, uh, they, they didn't belong to any NHL teams. So I said, man, I'm going to go there, you know, a Port Wayne, they, they, like I said, they seemed like they wanted me. They called me a couple of times. So I went there and I just, you know, I, I said, I'm going to make a statement right in camp. I, I started hitting everything that moved and started fighting and then made the team. And I kept going. The fans were like, oh, yeah, wow, wow. They loved it, you know. And, and then, I don't know, just a lot of misconducts. I think after at the end of games, you know, whenever I was out there, um, the game was just out of hand or whatever, you know, I need, I felt like I needed to put on a show for the fans or whatever, you know, and I could just jump on the bench or uh, just punch the goalie in the face and start a full five on five line brawl, you know, <laughs> so a lot of five, four minutes, tens, but a funny story in the IHL, I actually, uh, the coach, uh, I, I played for Grant Sony and Gerard Gallant. Uh, they were great with me, and uh, there were shootouts back then. So uh, when games were tied, like nowadays, you know, they would send players out there. And I was actually pretty good in practice and shootouts. So I would go and shoot out, and I scored quite a bit. But this game against, I think it was Indianapolis, I went on a shootout. And when I made my move, the goalie, like, poke checked me in the skate. So I fell, and I slid in the boards, you know. So I skated by him, and he's like, fuck, that was a great move, you fucking dummy, or something like that. So I turned around, and I just speared him in the guts, and I dropped my mitts. I took his mask off. I started pounding on him in the shootout. fans are going nuts. <laughs> then I turn around. All I see is the two bench are clear. The guys are coming on the ice. We're just fighting. <laughs> I started a brawl in a shootout. That 
that's probably the first, but anyways, fans loved it. I came off the ice like a Hanson Brothers with the hands in the air. <laughs> Good times. But yeah, that's so amazing. I picked up quite a bit of uh, pins that year. And uh, I also scored, a, like, I think I scored 15 goals that year. Um, and that's when Ottawa, they started following me. I remember Rick Dudley would come to games and talk to me before games. And that, that even gave me a, an extra motivation to even go harder and perform. And uh, after that season, the sense signed me and uh the rest uh was history from there <laughs> so that would have been at a transitional period because rick dudley left after you had signed with ottawa already because i know um marshall yeah. johnson then took over right away after yeah exactly so rick dudley uh i think right when i signed left to tampa so yeah marshall johnson came in and uh, another thing that really helped me that summer uh, you know, you're, I, I think I just turned 24 and uh, the marshal called me and, uh, you know, uh, they offered me to go take a power skating uh, in North Dakota. So I was like, where? North Dakota. Where the f*** is that? And it was, but, uh, I went there for three weeks, Monday to Saturday. Honestly, it's the best move I ever made in my career. That probably helped me to make the team because I showed up to camp and I was such in great shape. I, I felt great out there. And, uh, you know, like I, I, I approached it the same way I did in the eye. I said, oh, whatever, you know, I remember uh, – Jacques, uh, we didn't have any fights between us, but once it started the pre-games, uh, season games, you know, I we played Calgary and I fought these veterans like Cal Holtz, uh, Andre Nazarov. Uh, I fought maybe Domi also against Toronto. I fought a couple guys and uh, I know they were talking because the pre uh, the previous year, that's when the Sens lost in four against Buffalo, I think. So uh, I, I saw an opportunity to, they were mentioning they were, they needed that physicality, you know. So I, uh, you know, went to camp in great shape and just did what I could and made the team. So that was probably the best, uh, one of my career highlights, uh, obviously. Do you, do you remember who your first line mates were in Ottawa? Yeah, I played with uh, Sean Van Allen and Kevin Deneen. Okay, they awesome. Right on. Were, uh, and Kevin Deneen helped me because he was – what, 34, 35, going towards the end of his uh, career there. And uh, he was good to me, you know, helped me, gave me some good advice also. As a youngster, I was uh, I was like, hey, Dino, I call him Dino. I, should I go fight? Should I, should I, like, every time I was asking myself, should I just go and fight? Should I just grab? No, we're up 3 nothing. Settle down, kid. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, take the Red Bull off out of my hands. And... <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, Another... but... Good to me and Van Allen too, actually. Another guy that we got to ask about that was in the dressing room when you got there, and probably a guy that you look to as maybe a heavyweight in the league. You mentioned some of the guys who fought there, like Domi and stuff like that. But Chris Neal, what's your relationship like with him? What was he like in the room when you were there? And uh, as as one fighter to another, was there a lot of respect there between the two of you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Neiler, uh, great kid. I, I mean, we met the first time at that power skating in North Dakota. Uh, Neiler was there too, so they sent uh, Chris also there. He was coming out of junior hockey, so I think he went to Grand Rapids after. But he thought uh, he's still a goal scorer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. A lot of time he was like, "Oh man, you know, I should be on the power play." I mean, these guys, and I was kind of. But he was young too, you know. He was coming out, but so tough. So I always tell people honestly. 
uh, Chris Nils one of the toughest pound for pound because he was like maybe 215 stocking, 220 maybe, you know, at first. I know he trimmed down with the years. Uh, he had to because the game changed and it was getting faster. But uh, Nealer was stocky and he could take a punch. That's one of his... Uh, his good assets as a fighter, you know, he, he could take a punch and just fight forever. And uh, like I was there for two and a half years and Neeler came um, that third year there. I think that's when he came in the league. And uh, so I was kind of with him, kind of, uh, I wasn't the oldest veteran, but, you know, I had a couple of pro hockey years, two years in the league uh, as a regular player. So I gave him a little bit of advice. We did play a little bit together. And I think that's when uh, they probably uh, – because Jacques wasn't the type of guy that would carry like two, three, four tough guys. So um, I, I knew we had a couple uh, injuries. Mike Fisher was out with a knee injury, and they needed centerman. That's when I, I got traded to Tampa. But, uh, yeah, Neeler just uh, – he, he wanted to score goals like we all did. You know, me too in junior. I finished with 33 goals my last year. So um, we, we all scored goals in the Myers dad. But – as you, you go up the ladder pro, there, you know, you got to accept your role sometimes. And, uh, you know, a kneeler, sometimes he would pout, you know, just because he didn't get that ice time or PP time. But, uh, you know, you, you learn that as, a, as you get older as a pro. But uh, uh, what a career he's had. And I told him, I saw him, I saw him last year in some, some alumni games that I play. And, uh, yeah, he had a great year, all with the same uh, organization, too. So, uh, good guy, you know, good teammate to have, too. Talk about these guys with, with such high character yourself, Chris Neal. You were also in Ottawa at one of the most strange times because you got there and the captain wasn't playing. It was when Alexi Ashen was, did his holdout, right? And then he ends up coming back. He's like second in MVP voting the, the next year. What was that whole relationship like with Yashin? Yeah, I came in the camp and like you said, he holed out. So I heard about him that the season started. We kind of forgot about him, but uh, he had to fulfill that year. So he came back. That's when I met him. But uh, he's so quiet. I don't know. I think he's like that all the time, but he, he didn't talk much. He'd come to the rink. He worked on his sticks for, I don't know, an hour maybe, just shaving his sticks, taping him, blowtorch a curve, whatever, you know, and he come in with his hair all uh, messed up, comb with like a pork chop or something, and uh, you know, <laughs> he put his turtleneck on, go on the ice, take some clappers, practice, and leave. So uh, all year, you know, I remember also we we'd go and have uh, meals on the road, and we'd be, hey, Ash, come with us, and uh, no, I I just go, I have plans, but he he always did his own thing, you know, his own thing, so. But uh, he was good, though. That That's for sure. He's a skilled player, you know. It's just, uh, I think, I don't know if it's because of his girlfriend he met at the time that was from New York. He, he ended up going with the Islanders after. I don't know if why he wanted to leave Ottawa because people liked him. He could have helped the team. He was skilled in that. But, uh, yeah, just a different bird. But uh, I can't say he was just uh, – you know, a bad guy to be around. He was just so quiet, didn't say much, just come to the ring, play, practice, and leave, you know. Didn't, but, uh, yeah, other than that, he was talented for sure, though. Yeah. So, uh, Andre, you, in your two and a half seasons with the Ottawa Senators, 
you managed to rack up, according to hockey fights here, 40 fights with the Ottawa Senators. Of those 40 fights with the Sens, uh, what's one of the most memorable ones that stuck in your uh, mind the most? Not necessarily the toughest, but maybe like biggest moment uh, you were involved uh, in a fight with the Ottawa Senators uniform on. Yeah, uh, probably my first one ever. I think it might be Domi, maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. But my, my first fight with Ty Domi for sure because uh, they're all guys that I, I watched also growing up when he went to, with Probert toe-to-toe, you know, every uh, – remember they had those battles, him and Bob Probert. So, obviously, when I, I made the team and they were in the same division playing the lease, I was always, oh, my God, Ty Domi, you know. I was all nervous. So, it stuck in my mind and I was more uh, – I knew he was a big lefty, you know, spin a lot and, uh, you know, you, you kind of study that. Uh, but uh, – so I would go left more and more. I'd be more um, on the defense, you know, more smart, if I could say. You know, I, I, would, I knew it was – I didn't want to embarrass myself, Peter. I was pretty nervous. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to just to fight guys like that. They're legends. You know, Marty McSorley. Uh, I fought two uh, guys that racked up so many minutes like that. It's always uh, – but there's so many fights too, you know. I uh, People ask me all the time, what's your best fight? But it's tough to say because every guy is so tough doing that job. And some, some nights you'll do really good with a guy that you'll lose against another, but that guy beat that guy up. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of – it's a cycle. It all depends the way you prepare. Sometimes it goes your way in that. But uh, Were you one of the guys who, who spent all day kind of thinking about it? If you knew a guy on the other team, you're like, I'm likely going to have to go with him, watch video of his tendencies, or was it more just natural instinct? Oh, no, no. I, 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 I didn't sleep much, that's for sure. You know, I was really nervous. I was the type of guy that thought about every game I'd get up, and I, I wouldn't think about playing hockey, and I – that's the, the I'd say the sad thing because I, I I was a decent player if I, I put my mind to just playing hockey and concentrate but my approach to games a lot of time was just fighting I, I go to the ring and all I would think about is Peter Worrell or Donald Brashear or Ty Domi uh, you know those guys Chris Simon that's how I prepared myself so I would watch tapes and I would you know just get up uh, push up shadow boxing just get myself ready and lose you know just to, and then get to the ring a Red Bull two coffees Sudafed you know just get myself <laughs> but, uh, when I knew it was going to happen, that uh, definitely I, I didn't sleep in the afternoon. And when I knew it was a really somebody that's uh, scary, you know, or they're all are, but some fights, you know, it's just going to happen or that because something happened the pre the game uh, before whatever. Then I wouldn't sleep even at night. I would sleep much. I'd fall asleep around two, and so that that was a tough part of uh, doing that role. I mean, you look down your, I, I'm on hockey fights as well on your page here. And it doesn't really show because I mean, you fought Donald Brashear five times, Ty Domi three times. Some of these names just jump out as the heavyweights of that era of hockey. And you're right up there with them. One guy I have a question for is uh, you have definitely a unique perspective. It says here you fought him three times. That's George Peros, and he's got a pretty interesting job with the league now. Uh, what's your thoughts on a guy like him getting hired and put into a position like that where he kind of gets to decide what is uh, what things on the ice are really deemed as 
all right in hockey and what isn't because he was kind of a guy that towed the line and kept things uh, in line when he was playing and now that's his job in more of a an office role so I'm just curious to see your unique perspective on that no I think uh, it's a great hire this is a guy that went to uh was it Clarkson or he went somewhere Princeton, uh, Princeton yeah yeah Princeton, yeah Princeton so he won the Princeton right away you know you're categorized as a smart kid but uh no but it's funny because no he did the fighting dad but i all i heard was good things about him how, how good a guy he was uh you know he, he like like i said his head is all there you know <laughs> so he's a smart guy just decided to do that role probably because he was like six five six six two you know and he he was probably not the best uh player handling the puck and decided to do that role but i think it's a great hire you know um uh, before that, it was Stefan Quintal. Uh, he also uh, fought a little bit in that. But uh, there, there are guys that fought and know how they know the game. You know, they they probably uh, uh, they saw so many uh, stuff and and talk with Colin Campbell or whatever about stuff that happened during your career. So uh, just to have a guy that that was in the game for a couple of years fought and. and saw some of teammates bad cheap shots whatever you know i think it's uh it's good to have to see guys like that you know getting jobs around the nhl or a different organization just to show that you know even if you're you, you did that as a fighter you're not necessarily a, a dummy or a dumb dumb like people <laughs> that seem to call uh it's it's funny because as soon as you're you're known as a guy that's fought or did something you're you're a dummy but there's definitely uh, guys out there that that you know they're they're smart and they can accomplish uh, a lot uh, after their hockey careers. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, you've accomplished uh, a lot after your career as well. Uh, before we let you go, I have another question, though. You mentioned earlier that uh, you were kind of more of a veteran player when uh, guys like Chris Neal and other uh, legendary uh, tougher senators were coming into the league, and you kind of were a bit of a mentor for him. Now, when you were coming into the league and you were, knew you wanted to be a fighter or that was the role for you, who were some of the older veterans that kind of helped you out, kind of gave you some tips about uh, how to go through the job that is an NHL enforcer, especially you must have had some good uh, tips and advice for how long you were able to do this in the NHL. Yeah, well, when I first got drafted in Boston, I got to say I got called up 12 games there. And when I my, my stint there, I felt like I went as a 20 and 21 years old. I felt like I was uh, not welcomed by some of the guys that were more uh, rugged players, you know. So I didn't get much advice. Ray Bork was nice to me, you know. He knew I was a guy from Montreal, so he was nice. But up there, I mean, uh, some of the guys, uh, they, they were okay, you know. I don't want to mention names, but I was like, fuck, I'm going to get you back. Once I make it, I'm going to run you. But uh, And then in the minors, uh, I think it was all younger guys. Everybody's on their own. They all want to get called up. So nobody's there to really, uh, hey, do this, do that, you know. But between us young guys, we would stay out there and kind of try to learn different moves, you know, on the ice after practice. But I got I got to say, when I, I finally made it to Ottawa, Kevin Deneen, I, I know I mentioned it before, but... Uh, Kevin Deneen was good to me. Uh, let me know like when to fight. I don't need always to go out there and fight. Because some games were up by two, three goals. Uh, 
Uh, and then we didn't play much. I was like, I'm going to go and grab it. It's like, you don't have to, Andre. We're playing well. We have the momentum. So those are stuff that I kind of learned, you know, as, as the years went on. So uh, Deneen was good to me. And then when I, I got to Tampa, it was me and Chris Dingman. So that's uh, pretty much showing Dingman how it, it, it's, it's done. But uh, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, but I, I, I got to say those uh, – Robbie Kevin Deneen uh, was good to me. And uh, I, I got to say, when I was in Fort Wayne, Gerard Gallant, that's a head coach. He, he, he played a, a long time with the Red Wings and a couple of teams there. And uh, he was a, a tough player. And I remember he sat down with me too in Fort Wayne trying to tell me, you know, that I got time and I couldn't make it. And, you know, I got to be smart and, and, you know, so he was good too uh, with me, Gerard Gallant, the miners, giving me advice. That's awesome. Before we let you go, I've got one last question as well, Andre. This has been great, by the way. I really appreciate you taking the no time. Problem. I feel like there's a part two in, in the works here coming up. We've got so many more stories to ask. Yeah. But um, I want to ask you about another sixth-round pick. you got to see Daniel Alfredson uh, at the start of his career. And just his work ethic sounds like it's unparalleled. Do you ever play any uh, keep away after practice with him? I know that was his, uh, his big thing. Hey, Alfie, honestly, one of the best uh, to keep away. For those of you who don't know, it's just we're a bunch of guys in the middle ice and we dangle the puck between skates, legs, sticks. And uh, it's basically the guy that keeps the puck uh, the longest. So Alfie had the puck, the moves he would put on. We're like, oh, my God, what is this? But Alfie, honestly, sick mitts on the ice. If, uh, you see him during games. Yeah, he makes nice plays, four goals. But I, I – I didn't know he had good hands like that. Seriously, when he has the puck, it just sticks to him on his blade. And uh, one of the best stick handlers I, I played with for sure. He was fun to to watch. And uh, uh, yeah, good good teammate, good captain too. Just a nice guy overall. And it's funny, Jacques. Oh, uh, one time I was, uh, I think Jacques uh, probably heard that. Uh, you know, I'm young. I got a couple of my first pay in the NHL as all pump and that. So. I would go out for a couple beers once in a while, and I think Jacques heard about it, so he decided to put me with Alfie, uh, like as a roommate, you know. But I think it lasts a week or two. Alfie's like, "This kid's too wild. Put me with." Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Have you ever have you ever seen somebody wind up more than Alfie on a slap shot? It was like a golf swing. He <laughs> oh, yeah. hits the ceiling, but I do actually when I put all my weight into it but uh it, you're right Alfie he would like uh oh my god but he had a pretty good shot too you know like he was uh, one of the first guys that one of the first forwards to play the point on the power play I remember not many guys used to do that but Alfie was always just red and would just tee him up over and over and over again oh you're right yeah but he had a pretty good shot right-handed too you yep. know so but you're right, he would put the clapper way up in the ceiling and it would go right through. You were worried the scoreboard would fall down. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. But it seemed to work for him, eh? He collected a lot of points. So, uh, yeah, the, it, it worked well for Alfie. But, uh, yeah, you're right. He was uh, one of the first guys back there because he's so soft with the puck, uh, made great decision with the puck and a uh, great clapper, too. So. And then more and more teams start using uh, forwards on D there on the PP. Well, the Ottawa Senators made a great choice as well, signing you back in 1998. Andre, we really appreciate you coming on fifth all-time in fights as an Ottawa Senator. And we look forward to do this again, Andre. It was great having you on and catching up. And make sure you find him on RDS 
uh, once uh, things return yeah. back to normal as well. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Andre. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, keep you up uh, your good work and uh, good luck with that. And I'll say hi again to all the fans out there. I had a good time during my stint there. Everybody was so great to me. So keep your heads up, and the best is uh, coming in the Ottawa area. Just a real treat to be able to talk to Andre, especially on such short notice. Parley, what was your biggest takeaway from that interview? I, he just seemed like a guy that had fun with the game. You know, we talked about a little bit of uh, his struggles maybe with playing that role. And that was definitely something uh, I wasn't surprised to hear. It's something that a lot of NHLers deal with. But, I mean, the tail of the tape for some of the fights this guy was in, I mentioned it in the interview, five times against Donald Brashear, George Peros. I mean, go to HockeyFights.com and look at this guy's rap sheet. It's pretty incredible. But you can just tell he was a fun guy to have around the room. You know, he played, he was around the game for a long time. Uh, it, it's pretty cool to talk to a guy like that and get that unique perspective and uh, getting some dirt on some old senators and a guy that was around uh, in some lighter times in sense history. So definitely a cool guy and uh, some cool stories being thrown around. And you mentioned it in the intro there is candid. Uh, I would say so for sure. Definitely uh, excited to potentially have him back in the future. Yeah, he had a lot of great stories, Parley, and I think the one that sticks out with me is, and before I even finished uh, asking the question about the IHL, he was laughing because he had a <laughs> wild season there, and when he was telling the story about fighting a goalie during a shootout and what that was like, all I could picture in my head was Happy Gilmore telling all his hockey buddies, yeah, I'm pretty much the only guy ever who tried to take his skate off and stab somebody with it. That's the record I hold. I could just see uh, Waugh saying, yeah, I think I'm the only guy uh, ever in hockey to start a fight with the goalie after a shootout. So that was just hilarious. And a cup ring, not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, as we mentioned. We have so much more we could get into him. So part two will definitely be in the works for that. I think we can leave it at that, boys, unless you have anything else. As we mentioned, we've got the top five toughest senators coming up in our next episode. But I think that's pretty good for today. Anything else to add there? Oh, we do have something else to add. Yeah, speaking uh, of toughness. Go ahead, Ross. One of the toughest kids to ever see the light of day. Jonathan Peter, the butterfly child. He passed away two years ago today after such a long and and hard difficult battle for for his mom tina Beaulieu and for for himself just a battler to to the absolute end so we just wanted to mention that uh, we're thinking about jonathan right now and um and our hearts go out to to his family still who i'm sure are, are thinking about him too yeah i couldn't say it any better myself um definitely a struggle that uh, was unfortunate he had to go through and he had all of ottawa and a lot of senators fans really with him through that so uh yeah Two years ago today really think puts things into perspective. So stay safe out there, everybody, and stay healthy. For Chris Parliament and Brandon Pillar, this has been the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan.